Hey, everybody, it's Lee. I know we're heading into the offseason, so we wanted to give a shout-out to our title sponsor, NHL Sense Arena, one more time. And again, we have a coupon for $50 off an annual subscription when you use Hockey Never Stops at hockey.sensearena.com. I always like to remind everybody, I've been using this thing for six months, and I'm just blown away, not just from the VR aspect of it and the virtual reality side of things, but the ability to give different perspectives of the game, whether I'm playing as a goaltender, and I got to admit, it is really hard, but it has really given me a perspective from that point of hockey, which has made me a better coach and a better ice hockey player, or the skater modes, which help you work on cognitive skills and other things like heads-up play that you don't normally get to work on in a practice or a game. So I implore you to check it out. It helps us out. It helps them out. Support our title sponsor, NHL Sense Arena. Get $50 off an annual subscription when you use Hockey Never Stops at Hockey.SenseArena.com. Again, that's Hockey Never Stops. That's the code at Hockey.SenseArena.com. Check it out. And without further ado, enjoy this episode of Our Kids Play Hockey. everybody it's lee got a great episode today we're talking with jb anderson you probably don't know who that is because this is a crossover episode we're talking to soccer coaches soccer dads today because we wanted to see the similarities and maybe the differences between uh two different sports and what ended up happening was an amazing conversation um obviously a lot of similarities between youth soccer and youth hockey but also the ability to kind of learn from the different sports and learn from each other and see where we stand it's something uh, I haven't really experienced before, at least in not a podcasting format. Uh, so we think you're really, really going to enjoy it. So make sure uh, to listen on. Uh, also, want to let you know and remind you, if you're enjoying these episodes, uh, it really helps us if you give us a five-star rating on uh, wherever you're listening or share it with your friends, put it in your team snaps, uh, share it with your families. Uh, we're trying to grow and build a community here, and you have been absolutely integral and awesome with doing that. Um, also, check out our Facebook page, Our Kids Play Hockey. Um, where the conversation kind of continues after the episode. Uh, and with that said, uh, if you're looking for any kind of great gift ideas, we're kind of getting towards the end of the season. Uh, you can go over to ourkidsplayhockey.com and see some of the deals that we have on that page for uh, you, your family, your coaches, uh, and everybody in between. But without further ado, enjoy this crossover episode with uh, JB Anderson of the hockey, I'm sorry, the soccer dad pod. I almost messed that up here on Our Kids Play Hockey. Hello, hockey friends and families around the world, and welcome to another edition of Our Kids Play Hockey. I'm Lee Elias, and I'm joined, as always, by Christy Casciano burns and Mike Benelli. And today, we're going to engage you and ourselves with something a little different. This is going to be our first ever crossover episode, as we've invited a parent and a podcast host that has braved the elements of another youth sport. And we thought it would be a great show idea to compare and contrast our crazy sport lifestyle to see if ours is as insane as we say, as we think. And soccer seemed like the perfect starting point. So with that said, we're going to welcome in J.B. Anderson of the Soccer Dad Pod, who's with us today. In addition to being a podcast host, he is the owner of Gaslight Studios STL. He was a state champion in Illinois with Granite City High, winner of the Holland Cup International Tournament, an NAIA collegiate player, and he spent 15 years as a youth club coach. And we're not just bringing in some schmo here. We brought in someone who's really been around his sport. <laughs> most importantly, he's a proud parent, like the three of us and most of you listening, of three kids, Keller, who's 17, Beckett, who's 14, and Maxwell, who is nine, all whom play competitive soccer. So, JB, welcome to Our Kids Play Hockey. Thanks, Lee. I appreciate the intro. And just out of the gate, I am a schmo, <laughs> according to my wife and my there you peers. Go. So, so we're good there. But uh, I'm really looking forward to the conversation today. I, I, we should rename the show just Schmoes Talking Sports. That's another yeah, great. You I know mean, what? I mean, 
Advertisers would love that. I mean, you know what it is, right? When I say it, right? It's just every living room conversation that ever existed. Um, Lee, when you have when you have teenagers, you are a schmo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've got a few years to go before my kids reach that, but that's going to go by real quick, and we all know that. So, uh, listen, before we jump into the two sports, I want to talk about the the soccer dad pod. Really, you you started that last year. Um, What spurred you to do that? Because we know why we did this show. (laughs) So, I'm curious if it's similar. Well, um, having lived the majority of my life at soccer fields in the last 15 years or so on the sideline, <clears throat> along with uh, a whole armada of other parents that uh, range from ex-players to had never seen the game before, um, y- you know, we spend countless hours discussing why our little Johnnies are doing what they're doing or uh, playing time or coaches' decisions and and a million other topics and coming from the studio production world where uh, I, you know, our studio, we do uh, execute and produce a lot of other uh, content from pop music to podcasts. I jokingly was like, well, this is ridiculous for us not to record this. I said, if nothing else, we could at least get a beer sponsor. (laughs) uh, And we could justify to our wives (laughs) why we're spending this much time uh, talking about soccer and drinking beer um and it just kind of took on a life of its own um you know because st louis is a it it is a soccer mecca nationally speaking um so it was very easy for us to strike a nerve with a lot of other parents ex-players um and the content was relevant because we we kind of tend to navigate through historical references up to the current Mm -hmm. uh and it's just working because the timing is right so. Sounds very familiar. All of that. Except except the beer. How come we don't have beer on our show? <laughs> yeah. I mean, but, Mike, I don't know what you're you're partaking in, but no, no. Yeah. Um, one thing I'll say, too, you said St. Louis is a soccer town. We also know it's a hockey town. So this sure. is a great we talked about in the pre-show. This is actually a really great kind of uh, mixture of the two things together today. Yeah. Um, so, like, as you said, you look, you played soccer, as I said in the intro, most of your life. Um, first question I got to ask, right, is, is how are youth soccer leagues organized? You know, in hockey, we have school teams and club teams. I'm just curious just to kind of make, you know, set the setting here for the audience. Is it similar in regards to how, how youth soccer, uh, operates? Yeah, it's actually very similar. Um, my high school, we had a, uh, club team. It was affiliated with city. Uh, and then obviously over on the Missouri side, because, uh, here in St. Louis, we have the Illinois side, obviously, mm-hmm. Stones throw away, a little bit different than the Missouri side. Missouri side, the high schools are um, uh, private high schools in particular do carry their own hockey teams. Youth soccer here is, it, it's a Goliath, and it runs the gamut of your CYC, kind of the Catholic leagues that are kind of rec-based, and then you have the club environment. Mm-hmm. which has all kind of different tiers of uh, scale and quality of the staff, et cetera. And now we're, we're entering into this realm with the growth of MLS, the growth of academies, which is really the one percenters um, where that is the kids are scouted. They have tryouts, they make these teams. And then the teams for all intents and purposes owns these kids. So you have the kind of the, the fun, uh, pay your team dues at the, at the CYC level. You have the pay to play, which is the majority of players in the middle, which is the club level. And then you have the more European model of 
hey, this is free, but your kids ours or the one percenters. Right. So that's kind of the the lay of the land right now. And it, it just continues to grow, uh, especially with the popularity, not only of the game in general, but the growth of MLS within these MLS cities. Yeah, it does continue. And I, the reason why I'm wearing this Syracuse University alum shirt, as yeah. you took nationals, baby. <laughs> Maybe so. IU, which is, Indiana is a, uh, it's a pipeline for St. Louis players. In fact, there yeah. were six players on the IU team that came from the club that all of our kids play at, six on one yeah. team. So wow, there's there's a relationship there. Yeah, so I do have bragging rights here. We have no, that's all right. I mean, we still, we still, you, you have about nine more to catch up to. Oh, so that's boy, okay. there it is. There it is. That's the sauce. But what, but what we saw right. is because they took national, and you know, parents are watching the World Club. There's just an explosion again of interest in soccer. So yeah. maybe just a, a heads up for parents who want to jump into it. What are they getting into? Well, I think that it's 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 a simple game. I mean, there's a reason why nations like uh, South American nations, Central American nations like Brazil have have flourished in spite of historically being a third world country until they weren't. It's cheap. It's cheap mm -hmm. to get into. Um, and here in, in America in particular, uh, we, we, have, we have a lot of theories from our show in, in particular. Um, one that we joke about that I think is very, very real is the, is the FIFA, is the Xbox effect. Right. Uh, so many of our children, whether they are hockey players or football players or whatever, FIFA as a sporting game is the most popular e-sport game in the world. Yeah. So these kids by a mile, playing... by the way, like it's by yeah. miles. It's, it's not, not even, even close. close. Yeah. So you you take that and then you compound that with uh, social media relevance of some of these superstars like Messi, like Ronaldo, mm -hmm. that really kind of garner a ton of pop culture influence, you know, or, or apply it to these kids, their wealth, their cars, their popularity. And, and it's, it's just a pop culture syndrome mm -hmm. yeah. and kids are flowing into it. So, yeah. so I, I think that. that's a big part of it, you know, for, mm -hmm. for parents that are wondering, what am I really getting into? You're getting into nothing different than the same youth sports that we've all been into. It's just the uh, kind of the, uh, America has never dominated. So this is a right. sport that from a, a regional, national, global standpoint, we're not used to because we don't win it every year, mm. you know, as opposed to dream teams and, you know, uh, USA and Canada fighting for hockey golds and things like that. Soccer's different. We yeah. are, we are much further down the ladder. Yeah, yeah I think of, that's, I think that's, oh, sorry, Lee, go ahead. No, no you please, Mike. I, I, no, every every saying, opportunity just... for you to talk, I want to take. It just, it just really <laughs> fall. It well, it, it really falls under the under the umbrella of the, of the similarities, though. Of of when we talk about when you look at the U.S. soccer market, it is unbelievably big. I mean, right. hundreds and hundreds of thousands of kids. I, every every single kid plays soccer, basically. Mm -hmm. Like when yeah. in, in, at, you know, growing up, and I think that's a model that the U.S. is trying to, you know, and actually U.S. and North America teams, you know, try to follow with hockey is what you know, what can get more kids into the sport? And I think, you know, the, the soccer side is a little easier, right? Because it's just access. It's, yeah. it's you know, can I get access? Yes, there's a field over there. Everyone has a field in their town. Everyone yeah. has a soccer. Everybody can have a soccer ball and you can play. So I think it is, I mean, I think from a sports fan, it's certainly disheartening for somebody like me 
to watch soccer not flourish and dominate the world uh, because the fact that they have the same issues as hockey is that we're not training our kids uh, developmentally well enough uh, in a place where they have free play and understand the game better and, and can, and can, you know, you know, kind of find the right kids. Cause honestly at the Academy level, we're pricing it out just like we are in hockey. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so, so a lot of these kids that you would normally see, flourish in these other countries that have zero money i mean there's no infrastructure whatsoever until you get maybe to an academy level correct but but the infrastructure and i think we're both so we're both i think that north american dad and mom that parent is the same whether you're a soccer lacrosse hockey it's okay well why are we the model is access and play and we eliminate access and play and then we wonder why our our teams aren't the best in the world yeah, you know, and it's funny because we 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 hear all the time uh, the detractors or the naysayers to the game of soccer as far as why is the U.S. team not flourishing or being more dominant on a global scale given our money and our population and all these other things. And then the argument comes at us like, well, you don't even really have the best athletes, um, which, you know, you I, I personally find it laughable because, you know, the World Cup just proved with the winner and Messi being on the field, Messi plays no other professional sport in the world, given his physicality, given his quote, mm -hmm. athleticism. It's just not going to happen. He's a soccer player that was brought up the proper way. You know, in the United States, one of the biggest problems we have, in my opinion, is scale. We have so many communities, so many regions that are ethnically diverse. Uh, and what brings comes along with that, especially in soccer, is style differences. There's a difference in play between South Americans and Germans versus Russians to South Koreans, just in the way they play. So you, you take, quote, our best 30 in a national pool, you might have seven to eight Hispanic kids, you might have a few kind of European influence players, you might have just some killer athletes from Texas. And then they all get together. And there's a reason why they don't gel. Mm. Um, so yeah. it, it's something that other sports don't have as much variation as soccer does. Um, you know, you guys know better than anybody. Hockey tends to be somewhat stylistically the same. Um, soccer though is, it, it's hmm. completely different from, you know, region to region to region. Oh, I guess yeah. I didn't realize that. <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 I was going to say too, you know, in hockey, um, there is some like, like you said, you alluded to like, when you look at the uh, Scandinavian style versus the Russian style versus the European style versus the American style. I mean, um, but it is starting to to even out a bit. I remember, I remember, Mike, you'll, you'll like this one too, you know, in the 90s, uh, our style in North America was extremely physical. I mean, actually going back before the 90s, <clears> you can go from the 70s, really through the 90s. Um, and, you know, European teams would come in or even Russian teams, and that that was not their style. So um, sometimes it worked. Most of the time it didn't on the North American end to to play the hockey game that way. But, you know, it's a great point you're bringing up that different cultures perceive and do sports a different way. And really the key as coaches just kind of go in that direction for a minute mm -hmm. is to try and learn from everybody. Right. Um, Mike and I had, had the privilege a few years ago now to um, interview Lou Vero. And Lou Vero, who's, who's the godfather of USA Hockey, uh, basically, JB, talked about uh, conversing with the leaders of the Russian, the Soviet Union uh, hockey people at the time just to learn from each other. And they were friends, right? Yeah. Even though the countries were not. So 
you know, the ability to expand your mind. I, I, I'm not sure the USA in North America does that or has the, I, I, I'm not trying to sound insulting here. It's just the capacity to do that's not the same. Um, the other thing I wanted to say too is, you know, I had the privilege to live in, in Europe for several years um, and really witness the European model for sport, uh, which is yeah. completely different. It's just, it's, it's, I mean, it's just, you know, basically it, it, it's not capitalistic is what I would say. Um, and and I'm, I'm not against capitalism. It's just the, the, the way you grow up in a system that you're with these kids, the developments there, there's a lot of pride in playing for your, your home club, if you will, before you graduate to bigger and bigger clubs. Um, you know, Mike, Mike, Christy and I discussed that it, it's something that is unfortunately in many regions in this country lacking. Right. And it's, it's a, yeah. it's too much pay to play too much pay for private lessons um, and not enough camaraderie when it comes to that. So I wonder if, if, if North American soccer suffers from that as well. And again, hockey does too. This is not Absolutely. like, I'm not shooting soccer down. This is every sport. Um, anyway, yeah. yeah. Do you want to comment on that? Sorry. I'm talking a lot. No, no, no. no. I, I think you're spot on. I mean, we just, we just personally got back from a holiday in Europe for a couple of weeks. Um, and we, re, you know, we really kind of, our family, we tend to embed in the neighborhood and my kids all being soccer fanatics seek out the local kids or the local futsal court or whatever, right. you know, and as you, um, you know, whether a couple of years ago we were in Costa Rica, did the same thing this year, we were in Spain and South France. And, you know, what you notice is the youth aspect of the game is completely community-based. Right. I you love know, whereas that. in our worlds, you load up the Yukon drive 50 miles because that's the best quote team or training right. facility or whatever, you know, we are so car dependent in general that it really takes away the community aspect that so many of these European, you know, neighborhoods that grow into the Spanish national teams and the German national teams, because they, they, they all are loyal and they play the same style too. Right. But most importantly, it, for the most part, it's free. It, it's a dollar train ticket for the kid to leave his apartment to right. go to the fields 15 minutes away. So it's it's really kind of disheartening when you look at our our you know St. Louis is a great example. Within the inner city, we have we we have an untapped uh, talent pool, uh, athlete athlete pool in these kids that simply don't have. That you know they're 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 economically challenged, they're socially challenged, but if you, if they had the means to just engage with the sport. Right. Sky's limit. Sports saves lives, man. Yeah. yeah J JP, would you agree or disagree though that this is all self-imposed? I mean, Absolutely. you 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 have there's 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 like I mean, how many fields are in like within fifty? Let's walking distance of your house. There's probably sixteen fields. Like yeah. real, I mean, really realistically, we impose this on ourselves. Like we yeah. we allow the maybe it's the monetization, maybe whatever it is, but but the 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 the, the fact that we think that the other seven kids were going to play 60 miles away are any worse or better than the kids that live in our same town is, yeah. is so crazy to me. Like it, 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 when I see, and I see, and I've seen it in soccer, you know, growing up as a, a you know, a, a dad soccer coach and being involved with all in these soccer programs and kind of be, being, you know, laying on the side and being like, okay, well, this seems pretty simple to me. I mean, it's basically hockey. It's all the same fundamentals the same ideas it's the same you know we're we're trying to keep the ball from going in that net and trying to score on that net right 
So all these things are the same, but why do you need to take these seven, eight-year-olds and go, like I'm in, I'm in Westchester County, New York. Like, why do you have to go to Randall's Island, which is an hour and 45 minutes away and three bridges and a toll to go find the same kids? Like I just, it, it just still to this day, and it, for soccer even more, because yeah, yeah. soccer, there's so many more kids. Like, I mean, let's face it, anyone can play. I mean, maybe not at an elite level, but anyone can play soccer. Anyone. Yeah. No, I, I think I think one of the biggest problems, to your point, is 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 not so much the institutions or the clubs, because, again, like Lee mentioned earlier, they're, they're out to make money. I mean, that's that's their job, whether they're a 501c3 or they're a for profit club, they're trying to make money. I I feel having grown up in the system and I grew up in a family that didn't have the means. So all of my kind of steps in the process were it was all grinded out, you know, because we had to find what could they afford to get me to and, you know, mm-hmm. to keep up with where I was excelling and watching peers that were lesser players, but financially more stable, being yeah. able to easily keep up. It offended me in hindsight. And I think that big part of the problem is really the parent ego, the parent ego over these decades is really what is feeding this kind of disparity um, and it's it's what's created the wall, really. You know, it it is a money system, um, and if your kid is has the X's and O's, you know, maybe the aggression or a little bit of hand eye or speed or whatever it is, you put money behind it, they're going to get better. Now, are they going to be the next coming of you know a, a Pele, American Pele? You know, no, because those players just have it. And you can't right. buy it. You can't find it. It, it just happens. So uh, I blame parents. Yeah, J- JB, yeah. I want to I want to note one note on that because we talk about this a lot on the show, and this is true of any sport. That um, look, if you're in a position financially to support your kids, that is fantastic. I, I would right. I, we're not we're not being negative about that, and, and vice versa. If you're not, you know that sucks. Um, it does. But the truth is this about any youth athlete, and and JB just said it. You talked about it. They have to love and want this so bad, no matter what financial situation you're in, for success to be even possible. That's not it's not even guaranteed at that point. Right. But every great athlete I've ever met, every professional athlete generally had a, the strongest of desires to succeed at the craft of the sport. And you can't, unfortunately, you can't buy that. Uh, actually, I shouldn't say unfortunately, you just can't buy that period. Right. It's it's there or it's not. And sometimes it comes later. Sometimes it comes earlier. Um, you know, again, my, my nine year old is really loving the game, right? And really falling in love with it. I'm watching it in real time and it's fantastic for me. But I never pushed him and, and it, it's coming naturally. I think that's so important uh, across sports. And this is where, again, parents and I'm a parent because he's a parent. We're all parents here. Um, we I've, I've had to stop myself so many times. It happened yesterday. I was going to say something after the game and I said, nope. We did a whole show on this. Don't say anything. You know what I mean? So good job. Uh, what would you yeah, it's, <laughs> it's difficult. I, I also was wondering if we could talk about specializing in the sport, because I do see a tendency uh, for friends whose kids play soccer. That's all they do. They don't do any other sport. But mm. some of the kids who, you know, crossed over and played hockey, I could always tell the soccer player on the ice arena because they would have these really cool moves. They might kick the puck or they might, you know, kind of spin around a little faster. 
their coordination was just above and uh, beyond the kid yeah. who specialized in hockey. I I really hope that parents listen to you because I'm sure you're you're on board with this about not specializing in a sport when they're so young. There's a tendency to do that because you want your kid to be the best soccer player out there. But right. don't you also find the benefits when they get the break from soccer and they try something else and pick up some other skills, which can translate on the soccer field and on the ice? No, I totally agree. And I think that I, I, when it comes to those kids that uh, are interested, willing and capable of playing both sports, uh, I, I view the pool of players as a bell curve in so much there, there are those that can't, and then there's the majority that can, and they're going to find a way. But then at the other end of it, you have those kids that are so far advanced within said sport, be it soccer or hockey, that un unfortunately, the reality of the situation is in today's environment with MLS clubs in particular on the soccer side and some of the other academies, the showcases in these national tournaments uh, that they're participating in, the scout effect is mm. is becoming real at U14, U15, U16. So when you think about the potential of dual sport risk to the to the physical body, to the time, or frankly the coach ego, in so much as not having the kid all the time. It's real for those, but to mm. your point, the other 98% of kids mm. that can absolutely go, go play other sports, expand, uh, you know, because all of us know as being somewhat, uh, uh, adults for lack of a better term, somewhat, just it somewhat. is about, it, it is about the Rolodex. It's, it's about your relationships and right. get, get into other circles because yeah. as we progress, as they progress, you're going to want to know that guy or girl or you know, for your, your next house purchase or whatever it might be, you know? Um, and from a sporting standpoint, it just teaches you how to play with the team, teaches you how to adapt. Um, because those kids that are the one percenters, you see the stress that's put on them. Um, yeah. You know, Lee, you hit it on the head with your son, you know, showing the enthusiasm and wanting to excel. You know, we're, we're going through that with my 14 year old, uh, you know, for the last two years since COVID, 5.30 in the morning, his alarm goes off on his own. He's out, mm. he's working out, you That's know, awesome. and, and he's coming back and he's eating smoothies and all this stuff. And we don't say a word. Like we, we, we realize that we're, we're past that point of right. being the cheerleaders. Now we just have to be the facilitators. Right. Like, what do you need in the fridge? Well, it's, it's right. his dream. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and like, that's the other thing too, with, with, with parents, you know, I, sometimes I don't kind of say this, but it's like, whose dream are we? pursuing here <laughs> is right. it your dream yeah. or is it their dream because if it's not theirs it ain't gonna happen uh right. or worse in that situation it does happen um you know and then you hit a burnout point but yeah I, first off i think that's awesome that your 14 year old's doing that and look here's the thing too parents there's other 14 year olds you might have one that isn't doing that and guess what that's right. okay too and that's fine totally. too <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's there's so much going on in the 14 year old mind or any yeah. age mind and we always talk about meeting your kids where they're at um, but I'll tell you right now, I, I think the studies show, Christy, Mike, you can back me up on this, that if you push them too hard, they are just naturally going to rebel and yeah. do the opposite <laughs> of what you said. Mm -hmm. right? So I, like, I, I learned that lesson. Yeah. I, I, I think all parents in the Northeast learn that lesson. It just <laughs> the mentality. Yeah, but I, but I also, but I also think that most of us think that our kid is the one percenter. Yes. Like, well, no, that's my kid. 
I, yeah, those kids, they should have fun. And that kid really should do that. But that's not my kid. My kid is that right. kid. And I'm like, well, somebody's got to say, no, no, your kid is not that kid. Like, <laughs> like, like that's yeah. just not your kid. And, no, and, and, and but but it's so hard because I think because then you get back to let you get back to the the model where you're like, well, I can make your kid that kid for a little right. bit of you know for for a couple of you know for a little bit of money and oh, yeah. a lot of training. I think I can help make that kid. Mike, that kid. you just gave me a horrendous show idea. We should do the Shark Tank of youth sports. <laughs> oh my God. These these parents come in with their kids. And you just go, I'm out. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Well, I got to have at least 75% equity in this thing. That's, yeah. Right. Yeah. In perpetuity. Yeah. Well, my, my feeling is just bring me your 23 and me. And I'll tell you if, you know, I'll, I'll give you a pretty good ballpark of where you're going to be. So I think it's just a yeah, matter of. You got to be so careful because they are, those talent scouts are constantly casting that reel and trying well, to get one on the line. Well, I, I laugh know? about, I laugh about the scouting piece. And I just wanted to bring it up real quick is that we, that I, I, I could probably um make a we could probably do a, a couple of shows on the amount of money spent mm. to get a scout to look at you where you end up going to a school that actually costs less than what you spent to get there like it's yeah, like wow. well what what the hell was the point of that like like you wanted to go i don't want to name any schools but you 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 know if you're if you're a coach with a 15 16 year old 17 year old kid you know where they fit in if you're a real developer if you're really a talent yeah. acquisition expert you could say Here's where you're going to be. Here's your window. Now, are you going to spend $180,000 to get to a school that would have cost you $12,000 to go to? Like, what's the, you know, oh, well, I got a scholarship. Who cares? You spent, yeah, yeah. You spent 150 grand to get the eight, $800, $800 scholarship for books. And you paid so, for the scholarship. So it just, yeah. made, it's just but so funny. But, <laughs> yeah, no, but I got the scholarship. Yeah, I get it. And I, I think that's where, and I think that's where, you know, JB is talking about the parent ego is like, we all want to say, like, I can't tell you how many kids, you know, I have a teenager as well. And how many of his, you know, hit the parents of these kids talk about the scholarships they're getting for prep school. And yeah. I'm like, you, okay, so you got, you got, you got $10,000 on a $45,000 a year fee. Everyone got that. Nobody pays the 45,000. Right. Like, like, don't you understand yeah. that nobody is paying nobody that? Pays that yeah. so, if I can yeah. real quick, guys, and, and JB, I just want to set this up as a question a bit too, because okay. I, I think this is across all youth sports, you know, that we focus, and again, look, I'll, I kind of have to preface this. I'm not in the teenage, late teen era where my kids are looking at school yet. So I don't want to presume that I know how I'm going to act at that time. But right. what I do feel like I know is this, is that we're identifying the wrong things to to identify through, right? Mm -hmm. Of scholarships and prep schools and colleges, mm -hmm. while they're very important accomplishments in someone's life. You know, people can sometimes roll their eyes when I say this. It's, is this kid going to be a good person Right. Their lives. Yeah. Are they going to help out in society? You know, we talk about the mental fitness aspect of this. You know, I've been getting a lot of calls and I'm kind of shocked about this from players and their parents that want to get their kid to the next level. And I said, my approach has nothing to do with that. My approach is to make your kid a good person, which they probably already are, but to enhance who they are as a human, which will then in turn make them a better player. And it, and it always works. And, and here, if, if, if that's not your style, that's fine. I'm not for you. <laughs> that's okay. I'm not judging anybody, but right. we're so focused on these, these milestones that have been created in society when it's, and is your kid mentally stable? Is your kid, yeah. are they a good teammate? Are they a good person? That's, well, that's and, the rub, man. I, I agree with you because, you know, the, all of us that have uh, competed, and or coached at those high levels uh, from a youth academy pro semi-pro standpoint, even in those environments, the, 
that that mental acuity, that that good character player, that good character teammate, the one that you know you could you could trust kind of with empathy, um, that would engage you, you know, that wasn't a cyborg. Those were the best teammates. Right. Those were the best players on the field. You gravitate towards them because there is that kind of emotional response. Because at the end of the day, it's a game that you either love or you don't love. And if you do love it, it's way more fun to play it with a good attitude with people that are just, you know, good dudes, you know. Um, and it's funny going back to what you you mentioned earlier, talking about parents just misevaluating their kids. Mm-hmm. What I did three years ago when I had a team that was doing well, they were they were not expected to do well. They were flourishing within their groups. And of course, when that started to happen, you know, everybody wanted to talk about playing time and what why little Johnny is or isn't. And so I just challenged them all. And what I did is I passed around uh, one of those uh, balls and strikes, little clickers, right? Because we we all have VO. We have all the film on every game, et cetera. I'm like, look, s- simple challenge. Just go home, watch this. Every time your kid touches the ball and he doesn't turn it over, that's a strike. But if he does turn it over, it goes out of bounds or to the other player, whatever, that's a ball. Add it up. And if they don't have at least 60 to 70% possession strikes, well, then there's there's the answer to your question as to why they're not playing. And sure enough, man, they were clicking through that clicker and like, yeah, you know, these numbers are 30%, 35%. You know, and, they, and then they're paying yeah. attention to the kids that were playing and they were at 70, 75, 80. You know, and sometimes it's just the simple reality. Parents aren't coached as to what is really going on on the field right. nine times out of 10. And they're only watching their kid. That's, that's, that's of it. course. Yeah. And that's true. That's what I do. I only watch my right. kids. I'm not watching the other kids. Well, <laughs> you know, it's kind of, we joke that it's the baseball effect. You know, yeah. if, if you bat 280, 290, that's pretty good. You know, 300's better. But if you're a 30% pass completion rate in soccer, you're not good. You know, so it's like, you know, you, you you look at those kind of things and sometimes we just try to dumb it down and be like, look, this is what's going on. And then you look at the stats at the highest level, go to your kid's FIFA game. And when you see Manchester City with a 94% pass ratio completion, that's good. That's why they're number one in the world. And so, you know, half the time it's lost in translation. Mm. And then you compound the emotional connectivity they have mm. with their own. And it just, it's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Yeah. It's intense. Yeah. You know, it's funny you bring it up because, you know, I can't tell if we're talking about hockey or soccer anymore, which is good. That that just shows you how much these two (laughs) things blend together. Um, But yeah. And then we talk about the teaching of accountability through those situations. So what I want to follow up is, okay, let's say they did that exercise. Mm -hmm. I'm going to kind of transition to see if soccer parents are as crazy as hockey parents here, because it seems like every week we have a new viral video. Um, and, and our belief is that, you know, 90% of parents are probably pretty good. It's just, we're seeing the extremes, but you gave them the ball and the strike clicker. Um, obviously you're a coach, you know, I'm sure, as you said, what you, what you asked them to do came true, right? They saw it. Then what was the reaction? Was there a, you know what, I'm sorry, uh, you're right. We're going to work on this. Or was there another excuse or how, how did they play out after that? Uh, I would, you know, most were be, just simply became quiet. And we're, 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 we're right. more aware of the why, you know, uh, which is so great. That, yeah. So that they, it was, it, you know, we, we kept it super simple. Like, you know, the goal of our team, if, if we're not possessing the ball, then we can't move up the field and we can't score goals. 
you know, and if we score more than them, then we win, right? It's just really kind of dumbing it down. Um, so the few that really questioned and engaged and were like, okay, now what? Uh, then it was, I felt the onus was on me to kind of educate them and give them a compare and contrast as to why we do what we do and things they can work on. For example, in most youth soccer environments at really at any level, when you watch a pregame, what you always see a line of kids standing up by the circle and some wannabe dad coach standing by the box and they play the ball and they roll it off and then they kick it. And you have eight, you know, taking a shot at goal. So their warm up is literally just a shooting drill in which you only have one kid at a time touching mm. the ball. And of the 18 kids, there's only going to be two or three during a game that are actually going to get an opportunity to shoot. Whereas we, we don't do that. We put them in small groups just play keep away because everybody in a game plays keep away. So it's, it's those little things that when parents see that and understand why and how it translates to the game, that's what we focused on. Right. So yeah. Mike, Mike, it's like when uh, our young players deke the goalie out in warmups and, and make just, five. <laughs> it's just go, go. So when you're listening to this podcast, go back to Greg Revac, listen to his pregame warmup spiel and then let's and then it's the exact same thing, right? It's why do we warm up? <laughs> why do we warm up in a situation that doesn't replicate the game at all? And then we wonder why the kids aren't ready for the game. <laughs> like, I don't understand why you're not running. Well, I haven't even run yet, coach. I've been standing on a line waiting to make it get a pass, and you can't even pass me the ball correctly. So, you right. know, I'm chasing it down the field. So, and that's at all levels. I mean, it's crazy. Right. Like, we call it the pretzel drill. So, in hockey, you come out of the corner and you get a get an unrealistic pass from the person that's defending you. And then you right. go against them and defend them. Like, well, that doesn't make sense. You're, it, it does, it's counteractive to how you're going to play. But, but that looks but, really cool on EA Sports, right? It looks good. <laughs> well, it looks good. And it, and it well, and and the fact is, most of the kids can be successful at it because it's such a low right. skill warm up. Yeah. Like, so there's yeah. no effort involved. But the real warm up, and Greg brought it up, was you know the real warm up is engaging and battling and and playing keep away and playing two on one and one on one and competing so that your competition is up. So when the puck drops for real, you're already at a heightened sense of competition. Right, and I right. think, and in hockey, it's even more crucial because in hockey, it's, it's, you're at it. Like it, the puck drops and you're going, you're going like in soccer, right. at least you can get a little like place in there where you could, you could, you could control the speed of the game much easier than you can in hockey. Correct. And so, Knowing that now that 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 heightened sense of the ability to possess the ball and move the ball and retain the ball and then control the speed of the play, because you might only get one chance at shooting is 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 the similarities. That's like where you say, okay, well, let's just let's just, you know, expand that out to the whole game. The more we possess it and the more we control it and the more we dictate the, the, the time of play the better likelihood we're going to win unless we got a, you know, we got the, the, you know, Lee's kid in that or something. But I think other than that, we're in good shape, you know, we're, 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 but I think that's where soccer and, and, and any sport like that's so, that's such a, that's such a crucial piece of going into the match where we don't even teach our coaches how to warm up the kids properly. So they're ready for the match. Yeah. I think, I think one of the, the more uh, uh, relevant comparisons in, in sport and you know really at any level as far as like talking about you know in hockey it is the 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 speed is so high all the time because the the rink is small and the puck moves fast and you know there's not a lot of space to take a breath and make decisions soccer ironically in my opinion really resembles 
basketball more than other sports, you know, when you do get into the more cerebral teams Mm -hmm. that, you know, moving it around the outside and if it's not on, let's just back up, let's take a breath, you know, wait for, you know, the center forwards to have an opportunity as opposed to like Harlem Globetrotters going crazy up the field, you know, and there's soccer teams that do that too. Um, I'm just going to circle back around though, because I think that all of this really involves um, a significant deficiency in parent education as it applies to the nuances of the games, games, um, you know, and, and, and styles, you know, because again, they're so hyper-focused on little Johnny or Janie's, you know, when they touch the ball, the puck, whatever it is, and what they do immediately, as opposed to all the things that occurred leading up to that point, or the things they need to do to recover in the event they do make the turnover or whatever, because, you know, they might have a great shot, but they're really shitty at getting back, you know, it's and and, and that doesn't help anybody in any sport. So, you know, it's I, the the kids are fine. The issue is transferring, you know, from qualified coaches and staffs. They right now they're leapfrogging the parents, and I think parents should be more involved in some communication right. between these clubs and coaches, so that you can at least set a precedent. Like this, yeah, but it, this it's is our crazy too because I think I think that comes from like when I look at hockey and then I look at like I do a lot of lacrosse and lacrosse is very similar to that mm-hmm. where we stick like a brand new dad or mom into a into an environment of teaching when that's the most crucial time to have a good teacher. Like, like that's, that's the foundation. So the, you know, you want to have fun and everybody want to, you know, go around and jump around and, 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 but if you don't understand the fundamentals of the game and then you, then you put now all the parents on the sideline are just like you, like it's you and all the parents not knowing what you're doing and you're just replicating, you know, what you see at the pro level and you're not understanding the foundational level. That's where, you know, I know as a, as a coach developer and somebody that works with, with coaches and education, that that's the first person I want at the first entry level, like that, that high level person, you could almost take that person and say, you know, I don't really care who that person is from 12 to 15. Cause at that point, it's just a matter of more structure, but at, at, at four and eight, it's so important to have a great teacher with great enthusiasm and a hundred percent of passion. And, and it can be a dad and mom, I'm not saying it can't be, but the overwhelming people are the volunteer mom and dad because they're just, they're like, well, we don't have any money. We have no yeah. finances. It's it's, we just got to get somebody out here to help. And let's just, who, who's the most energetic to do that. And unfortunately, sometimes right. it's the worst person to do it. Yeah. No, I've yeah, seen that many times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was just saying too, we just, we always got to be careful with those youth levels because that can make or break a coach or a kid. Right. And, you know, I, I've been really blessed the last couple of years that last year's team and this year's team, we've just had great parents. Right. We've had really great parents around, like all the parents are really close knit. And and I, I am su- supremely aware of how uh, fortunate I was to have that once, but to have it twice is almost a record. Um, but, you know, one of the things we did on the team, JB, and I, and I encourage coaches to do this is. Uh, get the parents on board from day one. Um, one of the one of the greatest things I heard a coach say last year to me was if you and this is in the youth youth levels, the younger yeah levels, is you win the parents over, you win the kids over. And at first I was a little taken aback, but you know I thought about it. and He's right. He's totally right because yeah. no one can negate what you're teaching quicker than a parent. And that and and to be fair, that trust needs to be there. This isn't a manipulation, right? But right? these parents have to trust you with their kid 
It's not always going to be perfect, but the more you can communicate with the parents in a, in a way of, look, this is, as you said, JB, this is the why. This is why we're doing this. This is why it's important for your kids' skating development to pre- to take precedent over their ability to Michigan the puck into the air and fly it into the net, um, which is fun. I'll never tell a kid not to be creative, but there's a time and a place, right? Right. Um, and I think that, that you know, and, and again, I want you to comment on soccer. You know, is that something that soccer takes on as well? Uh, and we're seeing this a little bit more, I, I think, at least in my experience, Mike and Christine hockey of, you know, we need to get the parents somewhat involved a little more than it used to just be get them out of the way um, because the parents are so vocal nowadays. And with social media um, and the ability to communicate uh, you know, what used to be a rumbling now can become a, a fire very quickly if you're not yeah. careful. Yeah. I think that to, to, to your point, <clears throat> excuse me, firsthand experience for me, you know, looking at other groups of parents that I, 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 I wouldn't say idolize, but I look to mm-hmm. as an example of where soccer parents in particular probably applies to any sport um, within the region that we play in, you know, City SC, St. Louis's academy team. Uh, one of the teams we play regularly is the Chicago Fire, and it's their academy under the MLS team. And the, the amazing thing about this team, and they are off the charts. I mean, they multiple kids in the national team pool. Um, they are good. They're special. But when you look at the sidelines, I always joke with the other dads that are with me and we pay attention to other parents. They're zip silent. They don't say a word. They're not yelling. Right. They might get a little golf clap on a goal or whatever, something like that. But as we've traveled around and we look at these other super high level teams, there's an inverse relationship between the quality of the kids and the veracity of the parents. Hmm. And the only thing I can attribute it to, because the, I, these clubs don't pull the, t- the parents in, they're not part of the process. The kids are communicated to directly parents job, get them there and then stay out of the way. I think it's the parents become educated to the game. And they understand what's going on. And when they see the little Johnny's doing this, they, they, it's, it's, I don't know, some magic potion is making them quieter. And I'm like, Oh my God, you know, if we could figure out a way to somewhere in that process, these parents are understanding that yelling, kick it and, and yelling at the ref and all these other insane things that have no intrinsic value you know, to their son, to their daughter, to the game, got to get that stuff out. And that's what's happening. So it does exist. Um, I I think that the vast, you know, so many kids though are in that middle world of they're competitive, they're good, are they college quality? Eh, Maybe, maybe not. Uh, Can they play competitively in high school? Probably, you know, that's where the majority of players are, right? So yeah, but that's, that's what I love. That's what I love about like what soccer did with like in our area with the silent Sundays, you know, where you have a soccer game and everybody, you know, <laughs> nobody can say anything. And, and it. it wasn't really more and nobody ever <clears throat> told a parent they couldn't cheer. Like it wasn't that it wasn't silent. Like you can't cheer. Although right. a lot of people took it as like, oh, I just got to <clears throat> sit on my hands and, you know, have my have my uh, mimoso and just sit here. But I think it's just <laughs> but 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 I think but I think a lot of it, but, but it comes down to, you know, JB, you bring up a great point is. But those parents that are engaged and brought into the into the fold and they're with their child, they understand that it's a that it's a, a process with their child. And the coach understands that the only way I can fulfill the process is for the parents to buy in like right. because, because you have them more than me. 
but I want them to be more with me. You know, so if I want them to be with me, I need you to be advocating for me, not against me. And the only way to do it, and I learned that, I mean, I learned that the hard way. I mean, I, I certainly as a young coach out of college, I just said, this is who I am. If you don't appreciate yeah. who I am, who, who the hell are you? You're nobody. You're, what have you done? Like, I don't care. You could be the greatest accountant in the world and the best fireman in the country, but you've, you've no way could you do what I do. But, right. but the problem is you get to tell your kid that I suck all the time because I'm not with them. So I can, you know, so, so finding a way to get that parent in there and saying, yeah, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't real happy with coach Benelli's decision there, but you know what? I understand why he made it because yeah, yeah. remember the conversation we all had last month about that. He said this was probably going to happen. And the greatest thing about being a coach is you can be, uh, you know, you, you can have a crystal ball. You could just, you could make your own agenda and, and, and your own, you know, kind of end game by how you engage the parents and what you talk to them about the same thing in soccer. I, I coached soccer for five years. I knew nothing about soccer. I knew like I was a good soccer player, but I didn't really know the game. Like, but at that level, you know, when you're working with eight year olds, you don't know the game. You just have to have fun. You just have to be energetic and you just have to communicate and say, this is why every this is why everyone's going to play. Well, we don't agree. Everyone should play. I, I understand that, but this is why I need to have everybody play. I'm the one coaching. Right. Like, so I, you need to understand what my, what my feelings are about this so that then we could be on the same team. And I think that, that really diffuses the, the everyone, I think, because the one person that does step like up, all the other parents are like, what the hell's wrong with you? You know, like, yeah. like you know, <laughs> but, just, just get on board here. But the key is communication. And well, we always do that. I mean, every, yeah, every, every, fail. every damn podcast is communication. <laughs> yeah. But they so I, fail I think... so often. They don't let parents in on the grand scheme, on the big right. game plan, and which leaves parents frustrated, angry, second guessing, mm -hmm. then thinking, oh, you're targeting my kid. Right. Because the coach isn't communicating. They're like, don't talk to me, parents. Well, that's fine. You don't want them to talk to you, but explain yeah. to them what yep. you're thinking what your philosophy is it will erase a lot of the tension you, you gotta drop some of the ego you gotta drop yeah. it. We're, we're talking youth sports by the way i want right. to keep saying and and some collegiate sport i think once you get to pro it's a completely different deal obviously yeah but it's not that different well, it's yeah. not that yeah. different that's the that's the that funny different. thing when I, agents yeah. start interfering with pro athletes it's the same thing right. it's like you yeah. see right. it all the time and it, and it comes down to just let's all get in a room and communicate here. Let's just be right. in a situation where if you think your son is uh, the best striker in the world, I don't. And this is why they need, <laughs> this is why, but this is right. why they're so important in this right. role that they're playing. Cause, right. and it, cause we, and, and we've talked about JB, we've had these conversations a lot on the show with every, you know, anybody that's in a position like you're in where sometimes you just got to cut bait and say, Hey, you know what? It's not the right program for you, but I can't yeah. fight you. Because I need to, I need to help eighteen other kids, and yeah, you're not going to win every battle, right? But so, but if you you communicate more to the whole, right. you're going to keep more of the whole. Yes. Yeah, I think two 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 quick points. One is, um, you know, much uh, similar to the corporate world, you know, from a from a sales consulting standpoint. Yeah, I had a great mentor early in my career. He was like, seek the no, find the mm -hmm. no, save yourself some time. Right. And that simple premise as it applies to kids is let's figure out what's realistic. What, you know, what, what is their trajectory? And I think in youth sports, soccer in particular, <clears throat> the teams that I've worked with, I see two 
time periods in which you have an opportunity to rein the parents in. One is around sixth grade, seventh grade, so that you can start to have the conversation as you're working with all the boys or all the kids, like, is your goal to play high school soccer? Okay. And if yes or no, and if yes, then let's work towards that. Okay. What high school, we know which ones are competitive and those that aren't. And let's kind of modify our goals for your son towards what you and him or her agree what you're looking for. And then you fast forward a couple of years, you get into that sophomore, junior high school timeframe, much more difficult conversation. This is where the parent ego comes into play. Do they want to play college? Mm -hmm. Do you want a scholarship? Okay. So now we're getting the brass tacks because we all know whether it's, uh, you know, uh, D3 to D1 and anything in between, or look, you're a club player. You're super smart. Go get your engineering degree, play on weekends with buddies. You know, let's, let's be honest about this. And, And that's a tough conversation. And frankly, I think the kids can have it easier than the parents because the parents have preconceived notions as to what jersey they're going to be wearing and not so much about what city or what degree they're going to be walking away with. Right. So kind of juggling that is tough. Yeah, no, yeah. I watch all these guys on social media all day, and there's this one kid that's so funny, right? He he imitates the parents, you know, of what the parents say on the car ride home, and 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 I and then my son always t- sends me these messages like, see, see, I'm like, I don't do that. He goes, yeah, you do that, you do that all the time. I go, I don't do that, and and but it's but it, it is it comes down to like, do I do like what is your percent? Like I don't perceive that at all, and I think when I dig into it, sometimes I'm like, no, you're not really like that, but I'm just saying you're like that. I mean, but I but you know, so it's. But it, but it's it's just one of those things where you're like, well, where where am I? What am I looking at? Like, where what's my goal? And then what are you seeing from that? Like, are you, are Mike, you seeing Mike, that or you, not? You know, and JB, I wanted to tell you the story about about soccer, what it's done for me. And you know, I'm always amazed at what other sports teach me. I always say golf taught me patience. <laughs> you know, and and basketball taught me how to transition extremely fast. And you know, what soccer taught me as a parent. Um, you know, I remember I brought my daughter to soccer shots when she was young. And um, I was so relaxed. I was just so relaxed. And I'll tell you why. It's because I just don't know a ton about soccer, self-admitted, right? That's just not my number one sport. And I realized in that moment that I'm putting so much unneeded pressure kind of on myself or intensity on myself at hockey, just because A, I know the game really well. B, I've played the game. And what soccer taught me in that moment is why am I not feeling like this at my kids' hockey games? You know, I'm I'm usually a lot of anxiety might not be the right word, but I'm feeling a lot of intensity. And that after that moment, I woke up to the, you can do this wherever you want, Lee. You're just, you're choosing to to act like that. Um, And there was a lesson there of, you know, what you know or what you don't know can really affect how you approach something, right? Um, I'm very thankful for that moment of, wow, I really am relaxed here and not with my son. Uh, I think all sports can can teach us different ways to 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 learn, and I think that's why it's important to to look to other sports and educate yourself, uh, to participate in other sports. Same thing as eating. We always tell our kids, right, try different foods, um, and then when you know what you like, you know what you like. Um, but I, I just think that the similarities between the two sports um, and many sports are brilliant. Uh, we have about a minute left. I just wanted, to, <laughs> yeah, you know, sure. I really really love that you're here. What? And, and, 
the conversation is similar, right? Yeah, I know, Mike, we can do a part two if you want. Uh, we'll, we'll do the <laughs> Shark Tank episode. A little home and away coming up, right? I didn't even get right. into the defensive structure of soccer yet. I was re- That's what I was really hoping for. But. Well, that, that's uh, we'll get the five <laughs> listeners that want that. and we'll The, get the structure is don't allow a goal. You know, <laughs> that's, the, that's, that's the strategy. Score more points. Yeah. Yeah, or like my, my, youth, my, my kids coach, just kick it out of bounds. Don't try to do anything. Just kick it out of bounds. You're fine. Okay. Yeah, I, I love JB's, uh, and I say this to the kids, if we get more goals than them, we have yeah. a chance, you know what I mean? <laughs> but uh, JB, we're out of time. And I, I just want to tell you, I really appreciate you coming on. I, I think the fact that the conversation flowed so smoothly shows the similarities yeah. between between the two sports, uh, especially in a town where they're both pretty prevalent. So thank you so much for coming on with us today. And no, again, I appreciate I, I, being on. Yeah, I'd love to do a part <laughs> two. I know we're going to kind of trade here, but um, I think this is a kind of conversation we want to have a few times a year, right, guys? Just, just to kind of make sure that we yeah. – take ourselves out of the, the hockey rink a little bit yeah. um, and remind ourselves that all parents are insanely crazy and all sports cost too much money. No, joking aside. Um, it, it's, it's really more of the common wonderful bonds that these sports create that, that there are good people in all these sports yeah. like JB, Christy, Mike, obviously yourselves included too. Um, and we can move forward together. So again, uh, Mike, Christy, do you have anything else you want to throw in before I close yeah, it? Yeah, I'm just saying um, we'll talk again when uh, Syracuse University, that's Otto <laughs> the Orange, uh, wins that second oh. national championship. Well, just Google <laughs> SLU National Championships, St. Louis University. <laughs> and when your eyes get all blurry from all the trophies, <laughs> I apologize. So <laughs> congratulations you. on your win. I'm yeah, not yeah. a hater. <laughs> It's all good. Take it. Go orange. Yeah. Christy, always a proud graduate. Thanks, JB, so much. That's going to do it for this episode of Our Kids Play Hockey. Obviously, check out the Soccer Dad Pod. That's out there for you to listen to. We'll link it up with the episode. JB and his friends drinking uh, beverages of their choice, I'll say, uh, as they discuss. (laughs) uh, Yeah, there you go. And you can catch all of our episodes, obviously, at OurKidsPlayHockey.com. Go there and check out some of the deals we have or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to give us those reviews. It helps us out a lot. So for Christy Casciano, Burns, Mike Benelli, and J.B. Anderson, I'm Lee Elias. We'll see you on the next episode of Our Kids Play Hockey. Have a great day, everybody. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Our Kids Play Hockey. Make sure to like and subscribe right now if you found value wherever you're listening, whether it's a podcast network, a social media network, or our website, ourkidsplayhockey.com. Also, make sure to check out our children's book, When Hockey Stops, at whenhockeystops.com. It's a book that helps children deal with adversity in the game and in life. We're very proud of it. But thanks so much for listening to this edition of Our Kids Play Hockey, and we'll see you on the next episode.